Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to let you know of something that we just recently announced that we are so excited about at ABT, and our Virtual Hitting Academy is getting a facelift in 2022. So, so excited for this. We are adding monthly guest speakers that are going to come in and coach you. You're going to have exclusive access to one-on-one coaching with me where we can talk about hitting our mental game, a hundred plus hours of videos of hitting drills, mental skills, coaching workouts, and more free hitting journal, some gear, and so, so, so much more that is just scratching the surface with this virtual hitting Academy. We are so excited. Enrollment begins January 1st, but if you join the wait list now, you will get early access and freebies by joining the waitlist. So joining the waitlist is free. So just head over to www.ashleybtraining.com to get access to all the freebies, all of the things that we're giving you inside the ABT waitlist. We are so, so, so excited to launch this on January 1st. And if you're just interested at all, you're going to want to join that waitlist. So head to www.ashleybtraining.com. You will be shown where you can sign up for the waitlist and get ready because things are about to get exciting. All right, let's head to this episode. Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart owner of Ashley B Training, former D1 athlete and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well, but now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just going to dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm going to have some of the best softball players, some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are going to be on this podcast, sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive. And that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us, learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm your host, Ashley Eagle, and here is part two with Jordan Taylor. I had an absolute blast interviewing her. You probably saw last week that I had so many questions for her, and this conversation went on for a long time, which is why we split it up into two parts. Last week, we talked about a lot of tips on how to throw specific pitches, like the curveball, the changeup, the screwball. 
the rise ball, the importance of making sure you have your fastball down before you go into those pitches. She talked about tips for tryouts, how to be able to be confident going into tryouts because she bounced from team to team a lot growing up and that was her strategy. She, she developed confidence. She obviously because she did it so many different times, but she ended up being so good strictly because of her confidence. And she dives into that as well. This week in part two, we are going to dive even more into that confidence, how she develops confidence, throwing specific pitches to certain hitters, how she is able to make adjustments pitch to pitch and from hitter to hitter, what hitters and their body language says about them. And We are going to talk about tunneling and what she thinks about it. What's her take on it? I had no idea what that term was until we talked about it. I learned so much from Jordan in part one. You're about to learn so much more along with me in part two. I can't wait for you to get your ears on it. So here is part two with Jordan Taylor. I know I told you we were coming on here to talk about pitch calling. We haven't talked about it yet, but I think confidence has a lot to do with pitch calling, like oh, which pitch you're going to throw. So, I mean, where can we start with this? I think just, I know you mentioned how as a pitcher, you're trying to like trick the brain of a hitter. Can you mm-hmm. talk about that approach on the mound a little bit? Yeah. Um. Well, my number one hobby in life is making fools of batters just because it's so much fun. (laughs) Um, but it's, so it's all, it's all from baseball stuff of just the closer the ball gets to your face, the faster it's going to appear. So a pitch that's say a hundred miles per hour, just because we're doing baseball, it's going to look way faster at your face than it is on the outside corner, even though they're the same speed. And so following that kind of logic, it's just playing with perceptions of batters. It's playing with their eye levels. So if we're, if as a pitcher, we're staying at the same eye level, the whole game, you're not fooling anybody. You're not tricking anybody. You're going to, you're going to have very comfortable batters in the box and pitchers should be able to recognize, and it blows my mind when they can't, should be able to recognize a comfortable batter versus an uncomfortable batter. If you're seeing them just not even flinch at pitches, they are very balanced. They're fouling pitches straight back. They're very, very comfortable. They know exactly what they're looking for. They're not worried about anything else that you're throwing. An uncomfortable batter is going to be shifting a lot. They're going to be kind of, you know, moving around in the box. They're going to be like swinging at pitches that probably shouldn't be or visibly frustrated. And so pitchers should be able to recognize kind of those signs and it should be a pitcher's job to make the batter uncomfortable. So making sure that we're going inside and outside, up and down, showing kind of the, all the zones and just Mm -hmm. making them kind of shift around and not be able to, cause a a good batter is going to have their feet set is going to be kind of in their legs and ready to hit. But if you can take them out of their legs, that's when the pitchers won. Mm. Mm. I'm trying to think of all the times I was very uncomfortable in the box and was totally exposed. <laughs> um, but I'm also loving this because once I got better at hitting, like l- later into my college career, I kind of felt the same way from the batter's perspective. Like mm-hmm. I want to try to make this pitcher feel uncomfortable. 
And sometimes yeah. my approach was, okay, this pitcher has a really good rise ball. I'm going to get on top of her rise ball and hit it. Or at least make a really val- like great attempt to scare her a little bit. Because like if that's yeah. the best, I want to make her nervous. And, you know, as a base runner, of course, my job was to ex- like make the defense freak out when I was on the bag. So I love how we're kind of like going at it from like, how can I make someone look silly approach? Yeah. Because it's kind of like that itself, that concept is a confidence booster, in my opinion. Like oh, trying sure. to take the level up, make them look silly. Now, good hitters, good pitchers, they're resilient. They're not going to allow it to last more than like two or three pitches. But um, I do like that aspect that there's a lot of confidence when it comes down to like, how can I make this person look silly? Um, yeah. And sometimes you're going to get beat. Sometimes the plan's going to work. But it is just like a cat and mouse game. And like, those yeah. are, those are always like my best moments is like facing the best hitter and like trying to figure out which Japanese hitters are a little different than American hitters and like NPF, like you kind of always had those like epic battles with people. Mm-hmm. Like there was just those like select few where you're like, I don't know what to throw. You're like, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Go away. Um, but it's just so much fun like trying to outsmart the hitter and like when they like just get a hold of something or like when they just fouled off like kind of your best pitch and like knowing that you had to throw another one and Mm -hmm. those were always the most like my most memorable and like most fun moments were just like this like little game game within a game type of stuff and just trying to outsmart the hitter yeah so you don't have to drop names of like who those hitters were that made you uncomfortable, but like, (laughs) just it's probably like the ones who get the hype because you know, like the Lauren Chamberlain, the one who's like drop coming out of college, dropping bombs like crazy or like, what, what do you do in that situation? Cause I know every pitcher has, you know, some batters where they're just like, Oh, her again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What do you do in that situation? I had a I had a couple throughout NPF. Luckily, I didn't have to face uh, Lauren Chamberlain. Lauren. Too much. The one I do remember was fun against her, but like people like Brittany Cervantes, we've been facing each other since we were fourteen. So it's like her and um, Daniel Zimkowitz. Like I had nothing else for them. <laughs> I don't have any more tricks. Like like sometimes I was like, maybe I'll just throw it down the middle just because I haven't seen it yet. Like let's let's try there. Surprise them. Uh, yeah, just like kind of going through and just, yeah, just trying to be something different than you were before. And memory is a huge thing in remembering kind of what you threw them and what they hit. Um, my favorite person ever to talk pitch calling with was Chelsea Thomas. She went to Mizzou mm. for a few seasons. She worked differently than anyone I've ever met before because she would go to a batter and she knew exactly what pitch she wanted to get them out on. Mm -hmm. And then she would work backwards from there. And so, which I couldn't wrap my head around. because I'm like, well, what if they hit the first pitch? Then what? (laughs) (laughs) You just start over again. Like what happens? Like, how do you keep your confidence? If you're like, well, that plan went to run down under. So yeah, she, she was a brilliant because she only had, she had, rise drop change that was it but she could put those pitches on a dime wherever she wanted to she could put them 
And, um, so she would always be like, well, I know I want to get them out on low and outside. So I'm going to work inside one off the plate, go back inside and then go back to this. I'm like, how do you, (laughs) that's a lot of planning. (laughs) I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get through the batter. I'm just trying Mm -hmm. to throw it, get through. So, but yeah, it's just, I never was very big at, um, planning ahead mostly mm-hmm. because or like you know every once in a while Megan Willis would come up to us and dug out and be like okay what do you want to throw this person and I'm like it's whatever the situation calls for like I don't know <laughs> it's a stressful situation so I was I was always kind of a plan as I go type of thing but I was always very um aware mostly because Ernie Parker was a very, very good teacher at pitch calling and recognizing hitters and where to throw them type of thing of working on the fly and kind of knowing where I wanted to throw the ball as soon as it's called, but not necessarily um, having an action plan before I started, which Mm -hmm. I wish I was like, I feel like it'd be so much less stressful actually having a set plan before going into an inning and knowing exactly what I want to throw a batter. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was, it was always, obviously the catchers in the NPF are brilliant. I mean, Megan Willis and uh, Chelsea Goodacre were some of the best pitch callers in the game. So you didn't have to think too, too much. Yeah. Mostly I just threw my change up. <laughs> <laughs> And it works. That's my plan of attack. (laughs) Buckle the knees. I love that. So you mentioned how Ernie taught you a lot about pitch calling. Can you, are there specific things that you remember from him that you've, you've stuck with still, still use on your end that he taught you? Um, more about reading batters and kind of their body language. And, you know, if, if you are throwing, just say you're throwing a sequence of pitches outside and they're getting more and more and more and more on time, or they're starting to lean and you're starting to see that, then it's time to throw something hard and inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and vice versa. If you're seeing them start to lean backwards, you can pipe something on the outside and they're probably not going to see it coming or hit it. But yeah, just more of reading batters and seeing what combination of pitches he just always kind of made me very aware of what combination of pitches were working and why they were working. Mm -hmm. Um, So before I kind of understood the whole concept of pitches close to your face, look faster. He kind of taught me the whole rise ball change up combination. I didn't understand like why it worked, but obviously like later learned, learned why, but always kind of understood that concept of pitch calling of kind of deceiving batters. I just didn't quite understand the whole right reaction and all that. So, right. Yeah. So why does the change rise work? Are you willing to share that information with all the listeners? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, rise ball inside is going to be closer to your face. So it's going to look a lot, a lot faster yeah. And then when you're throwing a change up outside, it's going to look a lot, a lot slower. So you're going to, mm-hmm. that combination of stuff is your brain's going to be a little bit shocked from the ball coming fast to your face that it's not going to react in time to that change up. Yeah. And this sounds like this is why Chelsea Thomas was so good at this is because she didn't, she had three pitches. Yeah. But like she had those pitches mastered 
to where as long as she can consistently put those pitches where she wants to put them. Yeah. She's, she's golden. Like a, master, a master of hiding the ball. You did it's not magician. know. You did not know which pitch was coming. Change up to a rise ball to drop. It was all it was all hidden. She had the same timing. Yeah. 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 She's so <laughs> she's good. She's so good. I I don't I think I faced her maybe like once or twice in the league, but to me, I think she retired too early. But I mean everybody has their reasons for retiring. Yeah. Um but I she was so good. She was a master at, at her craft and knowing what to throw when. Now you also have talked about how a lot of coaches in your heyday would always say, you don't hide your change up. You don't hide your change up. Well, um, but you're still fooling batters. So clearly you hide it. Well, I know there's probably a lot of pitchers right now listening that are like, yeah, like people are starting to pick my change up and they keep yelling from the dugout and it's making me upset. What would you (laughs) say to that pitcher who's trying, who, needs to to hide it more what are some ways that she can work on that if they are swinging and missing who freaking cares (laughs) (laughs) if you are making people look like ballerinas in the batter's box who freaking cares i so i throw so i throw a knuckle and it is i mean i learned different ways to grip it so i grip it actually as i'm coming through my motion so Mm. as i'm coming past my hip up into my circle I grip it, but I mean, it still gets, it gets picked all the time. Infamously got picked by the bandits. Um, There's little fights involved, but anyways. I remember um, this. (laughs) There's a little drama. I remember that. Yeah. Lots of people. That's funny. Anyways, um, that whole series, after all that drama, I think one person may have made hard contact. After them screaming sit, one person made hard contact. And I'm pretty sure it was yeah. Cervantes, so that doesn't count. Of course it was, sir. <laughs> okay, but, like, I think there's something to that as a pitcher. Like, if it's being picked, if it's being yelled about, I think a lot of pitchers would let that get into them, you know, and affect mm-hmm. their confidence with the pitch. So, clearly, you had this confidence that maybe it was just the fire of the situation. You're like, watch me. But like, where were you mentally in that situation against the bandits where they were picking it, but it was still yeah. working? Well, I'm, um, I have the worst poker face of all time. I will not be going to Vegas <laughs> anytime soon. You can read my face from 50 yards away. Um, but I mean, again, they weren't hitting it. So at yeah. some point you have to be like, why am I going to try to change why am I going to make an adjustment when, or not throw it? Cause that's what a lot of pitchers do is it gets picked and they stop throwing it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if they're missing it, which on the opposite, if they're hitting it, then you have a problem. If right. they're picking it and they're hitting it, then you have a problem. If they are picking it and still swinging and missing, you keep, keep throwing it, man. Just, you know, you get a little, give it a little, wink and a and a wave and a evil glare on the side maybe some choice words if you're jordan but (laughs) (laughs) now i obviously know like maturity comes with probably more confidence because you know yourself better now than you did when you first started playing but like how do we get some of this confidence that you have as a pitcher to just like keep making them look stupid i got this like i feel like obviously everybody deals with confidence in their own way um, but what do you think led to you being so just, just have all this swag on the mound? 
That's a good question. I am not like I was the most painfully shy person um, through high school up and even in college. I, the girls at Michigan still talked my senior year. They were still talking crap about me, <laughs> about, my, about my official visit and how I was just, I didn't say one word. I just sat <laughs> on the couch like, is this college? Like, can I go home now? Um, so a lot of it was faking it until you made it type of thing. But I mean, it was a lot of it was confidence through preparation. Um, practiced a lot. I mean, I was thrown in my backyard. My mom might think of this, remember these stories a little differently than I did. Probably said I missed one or two, but um, like, I remember throwing in my backyard all the time and like by myself, you know, I had, even at Michigan on Sundays, I would go in by myself with the, with Strico, the old, <laughs> old backdrop with the little squares in between. And, um, and I would do workouts by myself. And a lot of it came from, like, I know I put the work in, I know I worked my tail off and, you know, like at some point you have to connect your bullpen to the game and just know that what you did in in practice was enough for the game mm-hmm. and just like the drive to just be like I'm gonna beat you like it's just yeah I don't I'm not sure that that can be taught of just that whole mindset of being kind of like I'm gonna win this battle like you're not gonna you're not gonna beat me type of thinking mm-hmm. it has, it's, I think it's a train it's a trainable thing but it's something that you have to actively think and actively buy into just the whole comp like competitive spirit and knowing that you're going to beat the person in the box right hey i know you're loving part two with jordan but i wanted to pop in here really quick to mention something that maybe you might not know about i know on here i always talk about the always grind 365 hitting journal But there's also a pitcher's notebook and there's also coach's notebooks and there's also catcher's notebooks. There's so many different notebooks. And especially if you're a pitcher that's really wanting to track what pitches you threw to certain hitters and to really understand yourself more as a pitcher, you can do that in these pitcher's notebooks. So always grind 365. They have notebooks for literally every athlete on the field. And you can use my code AshleyB at checkout for 10% off your next order. Also, feel free to send me an email at ashleyburkhartrainingacademy at gmail.com. I'll put it in the show notes um, for a team order. If you have an entire team order you want to put in and you want to put your team's logo on it, you can do that. So don't hesitate. If this is something that's up your alley, head to www.alwaysgrind365.com. Again, link will be in the show notes. Use my code AshleyB at checkout for 10% off your next order. It's so good to know and understand yourself as a pitcher, as a hitter, as a defender. And there's no better way to do that than by tracking your progress in a guided notebook like this one. All right, let's head back to this episode with Jordan Taylor. Did you grow up with like a competitive family? Like I had two younger siblings. My dad was a collegiate athlete. I've always been embedded with like a competitive mindset, but no, not for you. I mean, I, th- I, I played a lot of sports growing up. I say played, I tried a lot of sports. Growing up. <laughs> we all did, right? I was horrible at all of them. I just found a picture the other day of me trying um, high jump. 
<laughs> you just see like legs, Shut just, up. just legs. <laughs> it's like, there's no shot of me getting over this bar. Um, <laughs> just no shot. But yeah, I mean, my mom, my mom was a very, she's, she's a tough gal. She wanted me to be successful. You know, she put me in kind of the best schools growing up. Um, it was always a very like driven kind of environment for sure. But I wouldn't say competitive. I mean, my younger brother played football for like two years before he was, <laughs> my brother was so bad at football. And I tell him this all the time, so he's fine. He would literally like, he was a center in football. And so he'd snap the ball and then just kind of stand up and do this and not move. And we're like, hate it. Like you gotta, like the ball is over there. And he's like, no, but I didn't, I, I did my job. <laughs> but the play's still going on. Like he never got the concept that there was something else happening and he needed to join the action. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah, funny. I wouldn't say a competitive. <laughs> I wouldn't say <laughs> on that one. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so funny. Well, is there anything pitch calling wise that we haven't dove into yet that you think it's important for a young player or even just parents or really coaches yes. um, should know this new buzzword tunneling. Oh. Um, and I think because I ran a poll a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, honestly on tunneling and what people thought it was because I kept seeing these videos pop up on Instagram on like the explore page of people commenting. They're like, that's great tunneling. And it was just a video of the girl. And I was like, what do people think tunneling is? Cause tunneling is, I mean, it's mostly a baseball concept and it's from baseball at least of what I think it is or my, my understanding of it is the release point and a, a baseball pitcher's release point and how you can pick up because it's enough time from them releasing the ball. If it's, you know, at whatever, 12 o'clock or one o'clock, that's something that they can see a difference in and pick up on at least really good hitters. Um, Softball, there's not enough time coming off that hip. Like, it's just, there's not enough time. And it's just, it has to be such a vast difference for there to be. And if there's a vast difference, that's probably not the reason you're getting a hit anyways. Because mm-hmm. it's probably not the best of pitches coming mm-hmm. at you. Yeah. Uh, so I ran a poll saying, like, what do you guys think tunneling is? Because tunneling to me is two different pitches following the same path to from the pitcher to the plate to the batter mm-hmm. and breaking in different directions that's what tunneling is to me Got is it. something going so usually it's like a fastball going straight and then a drop ball so a drop ball like dropping off the table at the same level back to right. back those that's a right. hard combination to hit mm-hmm. and it was like kind of like a 60 40 thing like of the people thought it was a pitch coming off the hip tunneling and everything looking the same. And 60% thought it was the pitches moving in different directions. Hmm. And so, yeah, I just think people just use these like buzzwords and they (laughs) don't know what it means, (laughs) but it's like pitching instructors using the word tunneling and it's not correct. And so 
it's just these like buzzword stuff kind of. That's interesting. Uh, I think your definition of tunneling makes a ton more sense. Like being able to deceivingly like have a pitch go and then like make like the dip or the big move, the big drop or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. Honestly, I hadn't even really heard that term much. So, I mean, obviously, you know, on the pitcher's side pitching. of the world. <laughs> yeah. Again, not there. Uh, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I do, I do want to ask this question because in the pro league, your, your catchers were probably calling, calling everything, right? Like you didn't have like a mm-hmm. pitching coach call. Is that how it is right now in Japan too? Uh, yeah, no, we don't have pitching coach at all. Yeah. So your catcher's calling everything and your catcher's trying to understand, um, where you are. How important is just the conversation with whoever's calling the pitches? So just like with your catcher, probably now you're probably saying, okay, this pitch right now, it's money. Like, let's work with that. What kind of conversations do you have with your catcher that people can learn from that just at least kind of help the, the relationship with your catcher for you to, um, be effective. Yeah. Well, talk constantly. The best example I can use of this is Monica Abbott has been throwing to this catcher for, and obviously she's been in this game a long time. She calls so many timeouts and it is so annoying when we're playing them, but like, Mm -hmm. it's what she needs to do. It's what she needs to communicate to her catcher to make sure that they're on the same page and make sure Mm -hmm. she knows what they want. And they've been working together for years. Yeah in and out of these daily conversations like this and they're still talking through stuff. So it's, it's kind of one, never assuming you and your catcher on the same page, making sure that you guys are, it's verbalized that you're on the same page. But yeah, I mean like during the game, a lot of times we'll talk if something gets hit, she'll kind of come in and we'll talk about like, you know, like what we probably should have thrown instead, or if it was the right pitch call, it was just in the bad location, or, you know, if something's just not working. I've done with like mid-game bullpens, just going and throwing two or three of something and being like, okay, it is working. It's just, it's in my head type of thing, or it's in my attack plan, or, um, you know, just something else. It's not mechanics, it's something else and working from there. But um, yeah, and just and with, with something's not working, trying to talk about throwing something else, or if, um, you know, if some, if they're yelling out locations, uh, a lot of times she'll be like, okay, I'm just going to sit in the center, like, and catch stuff on the side or move last second and like making mm-hmm. sure that's a conversation. So all of a sudden, like, if she just doesn't move and I'm like, uh, am I throwing the wrong pitch? Like... <laughs> that's happened (laughs) but um Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it is really just talking and making sure that you know through the game if something's getting hit that we're on the same page about why it was getting hit and maybe you know if it was a pitch call option talking about what we should have thrown instead or you know maybe out of order like if we you know threw you know a curve then a drop then a screw like maybe talking about taking that curveball out of there, just doing drop screw or something yeah. along those lines. If we were just throwing too many pitches or we kind of like use that kill pitch too fast and like had to kind of scramble after that. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, there's so many conversations. It's kind of hard to narrow down what, what we really talk about. In, well, in our, the- 
Japanese English. <laughs> That's gotta be a challenge. Um, I'm sure it's gotten better though, the longer you've been there, but I know, I think just even like that few minutes that you just spent talking about just different scenarios and what you're talking about, I think it's very clear why pitching can be addictive. Like, because you're constantly trying to learn how to win. You're constantly trying to learn how to defeat the the hitter. Um, and you're still probably learning. You're still making mistakes. Oh, like, I think that's, that's like, that's the beauty of it is like, probably when you first start out, it can get pitching and being overwhelming. Um, oh, but oh, it still, is. it still is overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, many, there's so many moving parts. Totally. But as you get more experience, as you work through hitters, as you consistently learn how to make, you know, let's say a girl gets a hit off of you, the first at bat, like find a way to make her, you know, make not as good contact or just, you know, strike her out, which I don't know if you think about striking people out or just trying to expose people. But I think there's just a beauty in just trying to learn how to keep growing from the mistake pitch or from the, the great pitch that, you know, struck the girl out. Like there's just so much you can learn by simply just being aware of what's happening and having consistent conversation. Yeah. And another great asset to use too. And I, it pains me how little pitchers use their own teammates, their own teammates who can stand in, or if you're in a scrimmage, there's so many times where like the pitchers are kind of in their own worlds and then the batters are kind of in theirs. And I've mm-hmm. very rarely have seen pitchers kind of ask if someone, you know, if one of my teammates hits a home run off of me, I'm asking what, what they saw, if they were guessing that spot or if they were just on time with it, or if they saw something that I was doing or if they, you know, if they saw yeah. some in the movement in the, in the fielders, like I want to understand why that they were on time. If I thought it was a good pitch, if I knew it was down the middle, I'm not going to ask what. They, yeah. What they <laughs> That's huge. I don't even think I really had situation. Like, obviously I hit off of some pitchers in college, but never was I really asked. Yeah. Like They're just that. in their own worlds. And I mean, yeah. I, I didn't do it in college. Absolutely not. But every once in a while on pride, I would talk to people like Kelly Crutchman, um, you know, just asking like, Hey, like, what did you see? And I mean, half the time the answers were like, I was just swinging. Like, right. it's not, it's not always going to be a gem of an answer or it's going to be like, uh, dude, that was right down the middle. Like it's never, it's not always going to be what you want to hear, but I think mm-hmm. like, it's just such an untapped resource and it kind of drives me crazy that coaches don't encourage that kind of crossover. I think it really is just like, okay, pitchers go to your building hitters. You're in here. Like it's just already kind of separated that we're just never kind of brought together and like asked opinions of each other. Cause I remember how many times I was on pride and I'm like, dude, you're swinging. Like you gotta like, and it, cause it's a different, it's, it's different wording coming from a pitcher. And like when I was coaching in college, that's what the girls always said. Like, it just sounds different. And like, it's that sometimes it's that small difference that will actually make it click because it's not hitting language. It's yeah. like, like, Oh, I can see like your whole chest before you even start swinging. Like, that's going to be not something that the hitting coach is going to ever say, 
you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be something about their hands or something about bat lag or something, you know, something like opening up too soon. But it's just that sometimes it's that small phrase from a pitcher that might, might <laughs> trigger something or like clue something in and just make mm-hmm. someone think a little bit differently about it. Yeah. And obviously that comes with like experience, like an eight-year-old pitcher is not oh, able to see it. Like you're worried about your own crap at that point. Yeah. But yeah. the longer you play and here's the deal, if you're doing it with teammates and you're an experienced player and like you're, you're in it to win it, obviously, then why not give the feedback to your hitter? And if anything, if that, you know, teammate doesn't like feedback from you, then tell the coach yeah. like, Hey, I don't know. I don't know if this is a thing, but this is what I see. And like, just communication, I guess is always the key. Sounds yeah. like. Yeah. It's just Amazing. such an untapped resource. Yeah. It's just more data. Like who, who doesn't want more data? Well, some people play with like, some people data. really don't want more data. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I was kind of the hitter that like, I didn't want to know anything. I just, yeah. I mean, obviously I want to know what this pitcher is throwing and what she's good at. Um, but I don't know. That's the game that I like to play. But if, if you're one that thrives off of data or you're one that, you know, is a competitor, you probably want to know this information. Oh, yeah. this is so good. Um, okay. So I've already taken up so much of your time. It's like almost midnight where you live, but I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you can come here and talk about things that we haven't yet talked about. Um, yeah. the analogies you give are so great. Those people that are like, Oh my God, this girl like knows what she's talking about. I want to follow her. Uh, where can people find you most often? Um, for softball stuff on Twitter. Um, and it's my name, Jordan Taylor but the J and the T are sevens. It's really hard to like verbalize what my Twitter is. I'm like seven, Orton, seven Ayler. Like, uh, what? Yeah. Good yeah, luck finding that. No, I'll put it in. I'll put it in the show notes. And if you want to go look at some of the Instagram, at least those balcony series that we were talking yeah. about, I'll definitely yeah. pop that in the show notes too, for people to just yeah. check out. But um, I want to finish off with a fun little five to thrive rapid fire. You in? Yes. Look at you sitting in yes. your seat different, like getting prepared. <laughs> I love this. These aren't hard questions. I, okay. I hope they're not. Who was a pitcher that you looked up to growing up? Ooh, growing up. I mean, growing up, it was the, the kind of the 2008, the 2004, 2008 team, um, you know, and those are like the most all-star pitchers you can get. So, you know, the Jenny Finch cat, um, Monica was in that 2008 group. So Lisa Fernandez. Yeah. I didn't, I don't think I had a favorite, but, um, yeah, I, I was watching all sorts of pitchers growing up. Yeah. This is like a side question. I'm just curious. What were you watching? Like, were you watching the routines? Like I'm just always, I always, I'm a big proponent of people watching the best do what they do to help you learn what you want to do one day. But what are things that you saw from them that inspired you? I was for sure demeanor and watching kind of how they carried themselves Mm -hmm. on and off the fields, um, interactions with coaches, with other players, with catchers. Um, But I mean, I couldn't tell you still probably to this day besides, I mean, Kat's known for her drop ball, obviously, and rise ball. But like, I don't think I really paid attention to their actual pitching. It was just more of like just their fire and how aggressive they were and just their confidence really. Mm -hmm. 
I love that yeah. answer. Um, what's some <laughs> advice that you'd give your younger self learning suffering through the beginning stages of pitching? <laughs> <laughs> Key suffering. Um, <laughs> advice that I would give. Oh, wow. These are heavy questions. What are you talking about? They're easy. I, I wish I had more confidence earlier, for sure. I wish I had like the not confidence so much as the kind of will to like soak it all in and mm -hmm. kind of learn from my environment. I think I was so self-conscious when I was younger and so shy that I kind of just, you know, I was like, I was on the team, but I wasn't really on the team. Like, right. I, you know, I just, I did my thing and I, you know, said hi at practice, but I just didn't really talk or like, didn't really <laughs> like interact too much. So yeah, I just wish I had a little bit more kind of self awareness, self, like not, not so shy, probably just a little bit. More I like off. that. I like that answer. Pause one second. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think there's a dog. <laughs> yeah. He's being, he's being fun. Um, <laughs> What was the greatest lesson you think your parents taught you? Ooh, um, not to take anything for granted, um, to kind of um, know what opportunities were coming to me and why they were coming and to take full advantage of them um, and kind of just make sure that any anything that I was given that I really saw it for what it was and I was fully accepting of it. Gift cool parents. I'm excited to meet your mom in Ann Arbor watching with us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll hear her awesome. here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, before I ask this final question, I just want to thank you. Uh, this has been a blast. I don't know why we haven't communicated in person sooner, but you just have such a mature knowledge of the game that I'm just so happy that you could come on and share your knowledge with us. No, thanks for having me. I mean, I've been around long enough. I'd hope I'd have a mature, <laughs> mature knowledge of the game. <laughs> yes, you, you have, you have done more than, than most in this game. So it's been pretty <laughs> fun to watch. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, final question that I have for you. What's your favorite thing about being a pitcher? Ooh. Uh, not to sound like the most pitcher of pitchers, but the control, <laughs> the control of it. I love having kind of the pulse of the game um, and being able to get out of situations, sometimes getting into them, but getting out of situations and being able to kind of pick up the team and have the team pick me up vice versa. And um, yeah, it's definitely control. <laughs> I love that answer. That's why you're still playing. Well, thank you so much, Jordan, for coming on. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is cool. Isn't it fun to know how an elite pitcher thinks? I mean, whether you're a pitcher or not, this conversation is so crucial just to know and understand what are pitchers thinking. You know, from a hitter's perspective, I love knowing what pitches she's going to follow up with when I pull it or when I'm super late. Like she is so smart and she literally, I love how she said at the beginning that her favorite thing is making hitters look silly and how she tricks their brains. Like 
that is incredible to know, you know, from a hitter's perspective. And if you're a pitcher, I know you learned a ton. If you're a hitter, I know you learned a ton. And if you're a coach, I know you learned so much about what pitches to call in certain situations, how important it is for your catcher and your pitcher to be on the same wavelength, for you to be on the same wavelength as your pitcher. I hope you feel that your relationship with your players has gotten stronger from this conversation. And I hope that you share this with somebody in the coaching world or just a parent that you know. Share it with them if you learned a lot, because I know this conversation can change the lives of many. Thank you so, so much. Please like, share, subscribe to the podcast so you're the first to know when the next episode drops next week. I'm excited to give you my own personal episode next week, and I know you're going to love it. All right, y'all. Happy holidays, and I will see you next week. Don't forget to stay humble, stay awkward, keep working your butt off towards your goals, and I will see you soon.